1: Those masters of the universe are at it again. You maniac! You blew it
0: up! You're listening to Parsing Immigration Policy from the Center for Immigration Studies at CIS.org. I'm John Fury, the Center's Director of Investigations, your guest host for today, and we are joined by the former Director of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, Tom Homan. Thank you for being here, Tom. Thanks for having me, John. Tom has a long resume in law enforcement. He started as a police officer in New York. He joined the Border Patrol in 1984. He served as a Border Patrol agent and investigator, a special agent. He's held multiple leadership roles. And in 2013, he took on the position of Executive Associate Director of ICE's Immigration Enforcement Division, ERO, Enforcement and Removal Operations. And in January 2017, he was planning on retiring from federal service. And in fact, my first day on the job at ICE as a political appointee of the Trump administration was Tom's retirement party. Let me tell you how this looked from my perspective, Tom. It was myself, Tracy Short, my fellow political appointee. We were up at DHS. We were finishing all of our paperwork. And the people up at DHS told us, they said, you know, you better hurry up, get down to ICE, get there by one o'clock because there's going to be a retirement party for a guy who's very well liked. And there's probably going to be free cake. And we kind of laugh to ourselves because here we are with this new job, lots of anxiety, national security focus, and we're being told that our first day is going to be a party and cake. So we get down there and there were probably about 200 people there. It was a, a big crowd. Your family was there. They had a video playing of this montage of photos of you from your various law enforcement roles over the years. There was emotional music attached to it. I don't even know Tom at this point, and even my eyes almost started welling up. It was a big, emotional day for a lot of people. Well, about the hour and 15-minute mark, though, my thoughts start to change. I start looking around at the room, and I'm thinking to myself, doesn't everybody know that Trump just got elected? We don't have time for a big party, folks. And probably about 15 minutes later, the event ends. Now, what we didn't know was that you actually got a phone call right around
1: the end of that event. What happened? Well, I was actually standing in the hallway shaking hands with people that came and taking hugs before they went and got their cake. And uh, my chief of staff came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, you have an emergency phone call in your office. Now, my office is empty. I already had my stuff in boxes sitting in my garage. It was a Friday. The following Monday, I was going to start a new job, making about twice what I made as the ice director. So I went up my office, my empty office, picked up the phone. It was the secretary of DHS, John Kelly. And he started out with us saying, Thomas, I know this is bad timing, but the president wants you to stay and run the agency, which was a three-step promotion. I hesitated. I said, well, it is bad timing because I just retired. He says, no, you haven't. The paperwork's on my desk, hasn't been signed. He goes, so would you? And I told him, I said, look, I can't make that decision without talking to my wife. She deserves that. I've moved her across the country six, seven times. She's excited. I'm getting out and and making a little bit more money rather than a government paycheck to really do things we never could do. And plus, I had a signed contract with the company. So I told Secretary Kelly, I got to meet my wife. I got to make some phone calls to this company, to find out what my options are. Can you give me till Monday? This was absolutely, Monday morning, 0600, I'll call your phone. And he said, but before you hang up, let me leave you with this thought. The President of the United States is asking you to stay a little bit longer and help him. We'll talk Monday. So Sunday night, my wife said, what are you going to do? I said, what do you think I'm going to do? She goes, I know you're going to go back, aren't you? I said, absolutely. So she said she would support that. And Monday morning, when he called, I said, I take it. And he said, "Okay, well, come back to the office tomorrow on Tuesday. And uh, I got a call that afternoon from the White House. And they said, you may want to turn your phone off or getting ready to announce you. Good thing I did, because I woke up the next morning to hundreds and hundreds of voicemails and emails and, I showed up at the ICE office Tuesday morning. A lot of people came up and shook my hands. A lot of people wondered what the hell just happened. <laughs> and uh, I walked in my office. I got a team of attorneys here from the ethics office that had a list of everything I got, Friday for gifts, telling me I had to return them all because I'm not their boss. And a few days later, I'm on Air Force One, the greatest president of my lifetime, Donald Trump.
0: Yeah, we all received an email that It must have been that Monday night announcing that you were going to be our new boss, which also, like you said, our heads were spinning. We just went through this big retirement party and and you're coming back. But I I have to say, I'm very glad that you did because I was honored to have Tom as my boss for the first year plus of the Trump administration, where I served as his senior advisor. I should also mention that Tom is the author of a very good book titled Defend the Border and Save Lives, Solving Our Most Important Humanitarian and Security Crisis, available on Amazon. I like the book very much and not just because of the kind words you had to say about me. I appreciate that. But mostly because you included a lot of anecdotes of things that you experienced over the years. the book's part autobiography, but it's also a very easy to digest explanation of some of the top issues within immigration. And it also has a lot of solutions and proposals on how to fix some of these things. What inspired you to write the book?
1: Well, look, all throughout my career, really, but especially after President Trump became president, People will attack ICE every day. The 20,000 men and women that I commanded, they would attack ICE every day. They, you know, we've been called you know, Nazis, stormtroopers, you know, racists. I was called a lot of those names. I had protesters in my house all the time. It made me angry because they don't understand. If they saw what I saw in 35 years of the travesty of illegal immigration, because people think illegal immigration is a victimless crime. There's nothing further from the truth. There's a whole ugly underbelly. Where the cartels making money, women being sexually assaulted, children dying, cartels making billions of dollars, and migrants being abused, being tortured or they can't pay their smuggling fees, and all this employment of illegal aliens. People think it's no big deal. The guy's working, sending money home to his family. You got to understand. Absolutely nobody hires an illegal alien out of the goodness of their heart. They hire them to undercut their competition, who has U.S. citizen employees, and to abuse them. I want to explain to American people. This is why we do what we do, it's important. So I basically told my story about how I grew up in a small town in upstate New York in farming country. Hell, I grew up milking cows. And fast forward, I'm finding dead bodies. I'm standing back with a tractor trailer and 19 dead migrants in my feet. I'm investigating organizations that, you know, terrorize and torture and kill migrants who can't pay their smuggling fees. So I started talking about the underbelly of what this meant. Hopefully they understand me at the end of all this and understand that this is why Tom Homan is who he is. I wanted to educate people so they'd understand why it's important to secure our border, why it's important to enforce immigration laws. And the reason I call my book, Defend the Border and Save Lives, because we learned in the Trump administration, when he had illegal immigration down 83%, when he had illegal immigration down to a 40-year low, how many women weren't being raped? How many children weren't dying? How many U.S. citizens were not dying of drug overdoses when fentanyl come across the border? If you defend the border and save lives, I'll use an analogy. If there's 83% less cars on the highway, would there be less highway deaths? So when illegal immigration is down 83%, it saves lives. So that's why I wrote the book. And this is about educating people, let them know what I've seen, so maybe they'll understand what we do a little bit better.
0: I've told many officers that they should also consider writing books of their own because they all have so many interesting stories, interesting cases they've been involved with, unique situations, and and basically perspectives that the public just doesn't get a chance to hear. And of course, I talk with officers still. And lately, as everyone knows, the officers are very frustrated with what's been going on under the Biden administration. I know you talk with ICE
1: officers. What are you hearing from them? Right now, they feel abandoned. They feel abandoned by Everybody in chain of command, you know, not the career law enforcement officers, but political appointees. They feel abandoned by the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. They feel abandoned by the President. They took an oath and swore to an oath to enforce immigration laws of this country, but not being allowed to do so. In the same year, he had record illegal immigration. First year under Biden, 1.7 million encounters. They claimed 1.7. I say 1.9 because they weren't claiming the port cases, but. This historic number, 1.7, the same year you had historic illegal immigration, you had the lowest numbers of arrests and removals in the ISIS history, ever. And that's not by accident, that's by design. And if you look at it, it was 59,000, but if you look at the 59,000, over half of them were during the three and a half months of the Trump administration. So the Biden administration removed about 26,000 people in the same year They had 1.7 encounters. That tells the whole story. ICE can't do their job. If you look at the stats, an ICE officer made one arrest every seven weeks. In my day, I'd make three or four arrests a day. So this shows what this administration has done. There's a lot of discussion about the border and the need
0: for border security. Obviously, a more orderly system of the border is necessary. But I look at border security as including immigration enforcement in the interior of the country, a robust effort at arrests and deportations buttresses the border, whereas weak interior enforcement creates an incentive for illegal immigration. And that results in a bigger burden on the border patrol. But I don't think there's enough discussion going on right now about interior enforcement. I look at all of the illegal aliens coming across the border. I see a bigger workload for ICE in the future because we all know not all of these people have legitimate claims. We know that many will be ordered deported. We also know that thousands of them won't even show up to their immigration hearing The burden then falls on the ICE officers to go out and find them, which is very difficult to do, as we all know. And no amount of border security is going to help ICE with those who are already here. And I worry that some people on Capitol Hill are talking about border security as if the only thing that matters is that little strip of land between Mexico and the United States, when the issue is obviously much bigger than that. Well, you're
1: exactly right. You can't have border security without interior enforcement. And it's simple because... If there's no system of consequence and deterrence, bad behavior is not going to stop. I think we all learned that as children. Look, the cartels are using the secretary's own words to drum up business. The secretary's on record saying being in the country illegally on its own is not enough for ICE to make an arrest. So when you hear that, when you got the secretary saying you're not going to be detained, you're going to be released, then being in the country illegally can't be arrested. You can get a job here because ICE can no longer do work site enforcement operations. They're promising free health care. You can get to a sanctuary city like New York, where they even help you pay your immigration legal bills. You can get a driver's license. Even if you get arrested for a crime, you won't be turned over to ICE. Who the hell wouldn't come? So interior enforcement is very important. And you talk to any Border Patrol agent, he'll tell you the same thing. If they get released to go to court, or if they get released for some reason, if there isn't follow-up, then they're wasting their time securing the border because there's no system of consequence to deterrence. And I'll say this, why is this administration releasing them? You know, you said part of it a minute ago. The administration is releasing because of one reason, because they know they're never going to leave. Because if you look at the immigration court data over the last decade, almost nine out of 10 Central Americans who claim asylum at the border never get relief from U.S. courts because they either don't show up or they simply don't qualify. So if nine out of 10 are losing their cases, 90% lose their cases, what happens to them? Well, then you pivot over to the Homeland Security Lifecycle Report, which is the Secretary's own report based on the last decade of immigration lifecycle data. It says if you're ordered deported and you're in detention at the time, you get removed 99% of the time. If you're not detained and you get ordered deported, if you're a family group, you leave 6% of the time. If you're an unaccompanied alien child, you leave 3% of the time. If you're a single adult, you leave 18 to 22 percent of the time, depending on the year. Secretary has the same data. I just reached, I just said to you. That's why they're releasing them because they don't want them to leave. And as a guarantee to that, they're preventing ICE from arresting them. That is why I agreed to testify for the state of Texas to defend the men and women of ICE and get them back to doing their job. And, and I'm glad I did. And we won. Of course, being, it was appealed. They went to the Supreme Court, asked them for a stay. Supreme Court said no, but they are going to hear oral arguments in December. We got to keep pressing the issue to get ICE agents back to their job. But that is the whole method behind releasing them, John. And that is right. And I agree 100%. Most of them will never leave. If we take the White House back, first thing we need to do is get Congress to give ICE the resources they need to go find these folks and remove them. When I first became ICE director, the first hearing I did, I made a statement that if you're illegally in the United States, you better be looking over your shoulder. And I took hate, from the media for that, even the congresswoman from New York said, how can you say something like that? You're putting fear in the immigrant community. There should be fear in the community. I says, for the same reason I don't drive 100 miles an hour down the highway, because I may get arrested, for the same reason I don't lie my taxes, because I may get, go to prison, it's not okay to enter this country illegally. People cannot violate the laws of this country, and it's, it's a crime to enter this, the country illegally and get into the United States and feel comfortable. They shouldn't feel comfortable. They should be nervous. I just violated law against this country. So that's my whole point, and we need to get back to that train of thought. Yeah, if you violate a law, you should
0: be concerned that you'll be held accountable for violating that law. And right now, people are not concerned that they're going to be deported, and as a result, we see more illegal immigration. Every part of this immigration system is being gutted by the administration. The political appointees of this administration are openly hostile to ICE's mission. They're hostile to DHS's mission. So we have arrests down dramatically. We have detention numbers down. Deportations are down. Worksite enforcement has been largely ended, as you mentioned. Nearly every part of every community in our country has been turned into a sanctuary for criminal aliens via the administration's so-called protected areas policy. OPLA, ICE's legal division, they're closing thousands of cases. These are cases that are pending. People that either have a legitimate claim, don't have a legitimate claim, ICE might be deporting them. Well, now the case is just closed, which I guess means the alien is just wandering around our community until the next administration. The whole system falls apart. How can we expect to have a functioning system of any type of law enforcement when you have people running it who just don't support the
1: mission? Well, there's no system of enforcement. I mean, I always said when they talked about we're going to abolish ICE, we're going to abolish ICE, I said many times, they're never going to abolish ICE, but they will abolish the mission. And they're going to starve them for money, which is exactly what they're doing. You mentioned the tension a few moments, how the tension is down. The one thing that your listeners need to understand is there's thousands of ice beds empty right now, already paid for. They remain empty. While they're paying people like the Endeavors $370 a night to put in an illegal alien hotel room. That's an NGO, a nonprofit organization. 370 bucks a night. I'm 60 years old. I've never stayed in a hotel that costs 370 a night. I'm a Hampton Inn guy. But 370 bucks a night to stay in a hotel room, and an ice bed runs around $112 a night. So you got thousands of beds already paid for sitting there empty. You want to talk about waste, fraud, and abuse of taxpayers' money, there's a good example right there. So, yeah, detentions at an all-time low, arrests at an all-time low, and the secretary gets in front of Congress and says, Those who don't qualify will be immediately removed. A lie. I've talked to scores of ERO officers. They're not even looking for him. There's no directive to look for him. Because in their opinion, they heard from the Secretary himself. Being in the country legally is not enough to be arrested. So the Secretary continues to lie under oath. He should be impeached on day one if we take back Congress. He's an embarrassment to the position he holds. Being the Secretary of Homeland Security, you think he would be concerned with the national security crisis he's created at the border? Now, let me explain that real quick. By the time this fiscal year ends, within two years, we're going to have about 5 million encounters or releases in the United States combined. We're going to have over a million gotaways. Border patrols arrested over 50 people on the FBI screening database. That's who they've arrested. Terrorists don't want to be arrested. They're trained how to invade law enforcement. So obviously these 50-some are idiots. But if there's 900,000 gotaways, as I said before, border patrols arrested people from 161 different countries. Some of those countries are sponsors of terrorism. If you don't think a single one of the 900,000 that got away didn't come from a country that sponsored terrorism and didn't come here to do us harm, then you're simply ignorant of the facts. The Secretary knows this. So he had any integrity at all, he would call the White House and say, I can no longer support this open borders agenda. It's put this country at great risk of a terrorism act. But he hasn't. Which means man has no integrity. He's a secretary of home in insecurity because this country is much less safe under him with the gang members, the fentanyl that killed over 100,000 people, the terrorism aspect. He needs to be impeached, he needs to be removed.
0: The thing that's frustrating about all of this, too, is that they're not reporting what they're doing. You know, we were proud to produce annual reports. ICE had press conferences all the time under the Trump administration. We wanted the public to see the results of our operations, the impact of our pro enforcement policies. I was constantly expanding transparency by adding more data to existing public-facing reports. I was also creating new reports on a number of things that ICE was working on, new data sets. The administration has ended these reports. The 2A7G monthly reports, those stopped immediately. Some of our detention reports and the ICE Health Service Corps report, they stopped doing that. But perhaps most shocking at all, they stopped publishing the reports that ICE has published By the end of every year for at least the last decade, the ICE ERO Enforcement Report, which details all sorts of information related to arrests, removals, criminality, much, much more, the Biden administration has gone backwards on transparency because they don't want the public to see the effect of their lawless policies. They know that what they're doing threatens public safety. They know it's wildly unpopular. Otherwise, they'd have a press conference
1: every month and proudly tell us about all the criminal aliens they're allowing to run free. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think one of Biden's first speeches, we're going to be the most transparent administration in history of the nation. They're hiding everything they're doing. And there's a reason they're not creating those reports, John. You and I both know, because it's bad. If they're proud of what they're doing, you would think they stand up at a podium and announce their numbers. If they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, they'd want to get up there and tell American people what they're doing. But they're not. They came out with a really shortened report which has spun in a thousand different directions. They won't compare things to last year, to 19, or to 20. Bottom line is, arrests are down significantly. Detention is down significantly. Removals are down significantly. And they say they arrested more aggravated felons this year than we did last year, which, number one, that's not accurate. And number two, they're trying to compare this year to a year where the country was shut down under COVID where operations were shut down. Matt Elvins was the ice director at the time. He basically shut down operations at large operations because of COVID. Jails were releasing thousands of prisoners. So it was not a target rich environment at the time. Operations were shut down. And they want to compare it to that year. But I'll tell you this, even if they compare it that year, more criminals were arrested, more criminals deported. They won't talk about that. They want to keep to the aggravated felony number. And even the aggravated felony number isn't correct because I know from my sources, they drilled down three or four times a year, making aggravated felony cases that weren't classified aggravated felony cases. So, again, lying to the American people. We need to demand those data sets from ICE. Now, I've worked with Senator Johnson, Senator Cruz, and you helped me. And you and I both assisted them in demanding those data sets, haven't gotten yet. Again, this, this DHS just doesn't care. Yeah, a Congressman Trip
0: Roy's office with 20 members in the House also sent a letter. And this was back in the springtime. And I checked with them recently. They still have not received a response from DHS for these data sets. And that's the data that we need. We need that data to be able to make clear comparisons from year to year. Because you mentioned the aggravated felony statistic they sort of cooked up. We have some pieces on that. We'll link to it to this blog at cis.org. But the numbers folks at ICE, they went in to the field offices and told them to look for cases and mark them as aggravated felony cases, even if they weren't previously. In other words, they tried to build the numbers up to make it look as if they were doing something, even though that's a statistic that ICE hadn't publicly produced in the past. Uh, one thing that we also can link to on our website, there was a few months back some data that was leaked from the inside of ICE to The Washington Times. It included some of this data that ICE has been sitting on since last year. and. They found that under Biden, ICE arrested 48% fewer convicted criminals, deported 63% fewer criminals, issued 46% fewer detainer requests to other law enforcement agencies in fiscal year 2021 compared to 2020. And of course, as you mentioned earlier, a good chunk of that, almost four months of it, is under the Trump administration. So I'm guessing a lot of those numbers were actually not even under the Biden administration.
1: Well, that's why they're not producing a monthly report anymore, John. The report you referred to earlier, they've broken down by month. They've broken down by month in field office. That's why you don't see that report, because it's clearly going to show more was done three months under Trump than the nine months under Biden. Here's some numbers for folks, just so we,
0: they know what we're talking about. According to this leaked data, ERO made 36,619 admin arrests of convicted criminals in 2021, which was down nearly half compared to 2020. When ERO arrested seventy thousand six hundred and seven convicted criminal aliens, arrests with pending criminal charges fell from twenty-two thousand to just under nine thousand. This is a huge decline, and obviously the public safety aspect of this this is something that the administration has never discussed. They literally are choosing to leave people who are fully deportable with criminal
1: records in our communities. Not only that, not arresting them, but The data also showed a leaked document that ICE released over 14,000 criminals, released over 14,000 criminals out of detention because they didn't meet the parameters set by the secretary. I'll tell you what, his definition of public safety is a hell of a lot different than mine. I think family domestic violence, that's a public safety threat. Someone arrested for DUI three or four times, that's a public safety threat. Over 10,000 lives a year are lost from DUI. How do you dare not call that public safety threat? And it goes on and on and again from theft to robbery to release 14,000 public safety threats back to the streets. And you wonder why crime rates are rising. Sanctuary cities like New York, Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, they knowingly release criminal aliens to the street every day. Rikers Island, we used to have a 12 agents a shift at Rikers Island. We would remove thousands a month from Rikers Island. Now we're removing zero. And the thing
0: about this, too, is that the entire justification for their non-enforcement guidelines from this administration is that they're going to be focusing on the worst of the worst, as if we didn't do that under the Trump administration.
1: Under the Trump administration, 91% of everybody we arrested
0: was a criminal. And the thing is, if you look at the data, the results that we do have from their work over the past year, the numbers are actually going down. So their entire argument is just not legitimate.
1: This administration, which I'm shocked, as an American, someone proud to be an American, someone, you know, I love my country. I've never seen an administration that out and out lies constantly. The Secretary of Homeland Security has lied under oath to Congress. Why isn't he held accountable? That's perjury. I've been on Rio Grande Valley a dozen times in the past year and a half. And several agents tell me, they say, you know, it's really disheartening when we're sitting there working overtime, seven days a week, processing family groups and, and those that are surging on the border. And we look up the TV screen and see the secretary and say the is closed and secure. This is her boss. They've lost total respect in the secretary. they lost total respect in the president because they feel abandoned by him. They're lying to the American people, and the men and women wearing green are suffering the consequences of those lies.
0: And in that leaked data in the Washington Times article, there was a quote from an officer who said that people are basically being paid not to do their jobs. I think that's what's most frustrating for these officers is that they signed up to do something. They're trained to do something. They want to protect public safety, and they have to sit there and watch
1: lawlessness in front of them, and they can't do anything about it. I get emails from officers of all the country, either through my LinkedIn or through my you know, company email address. They see me. I, I travel around the country doing certain things, and they always show up at these events. Them in the Border Patrol, I've never seen morale so low Forbitro's down, I think, 2,500 positions. I mean, ICE is down uh, quite a few positions. People are just, they're quitting. They're retiring. If they're not allowed to do their job and uphold their oath, they don't want to carry that badge anymore. They might as well just quit.
0: And there are real consequences for that. You know, that one sort of not so great report that ICE did release last year, you can still do some comparative analysis to the previous year. And what we see is that homicide-related arrests were down 18%. Sex assault arrests were down 22%. Assault-related arrests down 48%. Robbery-related arrests were down 29%. Kidnapping-related arrests were down 35%.
1: That has a real impact. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense because we're in a period of record crime. Crime is rising, but ICE enforcement is dropping. And the thing is, we're going to
0: feel this for many years to come. That's the other problem. People think that, well, we have a new administration come in in a few years. People who come across the border with criminal intent aren't going to necessarily commit crime the first week that they're here. And we're going to have a fallout from this lack
1: of border security, lack of vetting, lack of tracking for years to come. Yeah, let's not forget the 900,000 gotaways will be a million by the end of this fiscal year. There's a reason they didn't want to turn themselves into Border Patrol. What about operations? Why aren't we seeing a lot of ICE operations right now? I would say we, we arrest a lot of... Uh, illegal aliens at work site enforcement operations. We not only identify illegal aliens that are working illegally, employers that employ them illegally, we also can find peonage cases, smuggling cases. A lot comes out of work site investigation. But the Biden administration, the Secretary of Mallorca, has stopped ICE from doing them. And why? You got to think, why would you do that? Well, because he knows that's, that's a source of many arrests. At the same time, they go out and say, we, we want to take on trafficking, we, trafficking is a priority. Where do we identify a lot of trafficking cases? Through works on enforcement investigations. So again, they say one thing and do a different one. The operation has been shut down because they don't want arrests. It's obvious. They did an operation about six weeks ago, and they bragged they arrested a couple hundred criminals. When we did Operation Safe Neighborhoods, when I was in charge of the RO, we arrested over 2,000 in a week. 2,000 in a week. Now they want to brag on a little over 100? It's shameful. The only reason they don't want to do operations is because they don't want ICE agents to arrest people, even criminals. They could do an operation in safe neighborhoods right now. It's target-rich because they haven't been arresting and removing criminals. They probably could arrest 4,000 a week, but they simply, this administration does not want them out in the community and arresting people. And people need to understand, this whole 287G thing, they squeeze that pretty much shut. If ICE can't arrest a person in the jail... And that's what we want. We want access to the person locked up in the jail. If we can't get him to jail, then we're going to go to community and find them. And when we do that, we're probably going to find others that weren't even on the radar. So this whole thing about sanctuary cities, people need to understand that police chiefs like to say, well, we're a sanctuary. We've got victim witnesses of crime to feel free to come to the police and work with us, not be afraid of working with ICE. Let's make one thing clear. ICE isn't looking for the victim witness. ICE wants access to the jail where that chief or that sheriff decided to lock a person up because he's obviously a public safety threat they locked him in a jail cell. That's who we want. And we can't get him. We're going to go to the community and get him. So what does what Sanctuary City Policies actually do? They put immigrant communities at greater risk of ICE enforcement because we're going to go to the field and probably find others. It puts the immigrant community at greater risk of crime because that criminal alien is likely to reoffend the very community in which he lives, the immigrant community. The victim and witness of the crime certainly don't want the perpetrator back in their neighborhood when they're the victim witness of what he did. And finally, I would tell any chief or sheriff to go to the local immigrant community and have a town hall and ask them a simple question. Would you rather have ICE operating in your jail or in your neighborhood? You know they're going to say the jail. Most immigrant communities, many of them are here legally, many are not, but they don't want predators in their neighborhood either. They don't want a person convicted DUI 10 times driving in their neighborhood either. So this whole fallacy of sanctuary cities protect immigrant communities is just another lie.
0: And for those who aren't familiar with the 287G program, it's a state and local cooperative program where sheriff's departments enter into partnerships with ICE. They receive training to be able to identify criminal aliens within their jails, people they've already arrested for some local state crime, and they are then able to transfer that person to ICE custody. And what I'm hearing a lot right now is that sheriffs are identifying all sorts of criminal aliens in their jails. They're asking ICE if the agency wants to take custody. And in most instances, ICE is having to say, well, we would like to take custody. We obviously don't want this person who's fully deportable back out on the streets. But unfortunately, under this administration, we can't take custody. So go ahead and release them back into the community and let us know if there's some sort of horrible, violent crime then maybe we'll do something about it. In other words, this administration has made violence a prerequisite for immigration enforcement.
1: You're exactly right. I went to the National Sheriff's Association conference. I just came back from the Texas Sheriff's Conference, and they're mad as hell. They see these people in the country illegally. We arrest them for a violent crime, and we're forced to release them. And ICE used to take them. And when they take them, they deport them, which means we're not re-arresting this person. Now we're arresting the same guy three or four times. What the hell is the federal government doing? That's why a bunch of sheriffs, several organizations within the Sheriff's Association, have called for the impeachment in Mayorkas because crime has risen in their counties, along with fentanyl overdose deaths that's coming across that border. The sheriffs, are, they're pissed off. They want something done.
0: In the remaining time that we have with you, let's talk a little bit about what you're hearing on Capitol Hill. Does the Congress understand that ICE will need an increase in resources that is commensurate with the increase in illegal immigration that we're seeing? Thousands of new ICE officers, thousands more detention beds, more deportation, planes, etc. The Democrats just funded 87,000 new IRS agents. No one saw that coming, and they just did it. How many new ICE officers will the GOP be funding? Because I'm not hearing anything. The GOP released an outline of immigration provisions a few weeks back that they're considering for the next Congress. There are some good things in it, but under the section on ICE, it says their priority is to fully fund ICE. Well, okay, every Congress could argue they've fully funded ICE to some extent or another. Why is it so difficult for the GOP to just announce they're going to fund eighty-seven thousand new ICE officers?
1: I don't know. That's something we need to stay on top of. About two months ago, I was up on the Hill, me and a couple others from the Heritage Foundation. I do some work for them. We had over one hundred and twenty GOP Congress people in the room. I made it clear. We wrote a framework up with a lot of different organizations, including. Center for Immigration Studies, and we sent them a roadmap. It looks like they adopted pretty much all the roadmap, but I don't see the numbers broken down for us. That's Something I, I want to follow up with at least Stefanik and McCarthy and a few others up there. We need to have real numbers. And you're right. It's a shame. I've seen 86,000 IRS agents but not a single border patrol agent. Right now, they're down to like 2,500. And we have a national security crisis on the border. Not one border patrol agent? That shows you where the head's at with this administration. They're not going to shut the border down. This is by design, and they haven't done one single thing to slow the flow. The Secretary can't stay on stage and give me one thing he's done to slow the flow. This is open borders, and it's a shame they're ignoring this national security crisis, a historic illegal crisis on the border, and not one resource for them. But they're going to have 86,000 IRS agents to investigate, I'm sure people like you and me who Talk bad about this administration. We support President Trump. I'm sure, you know, whatever, bring it. But uh, their priorities are all in the wrong place.
0: But at least we know where the Democrats' priorities are. And the Republican Party is still a bit mixed on the immigration issue.
1: Put it this way, the GOP need to get their head out of their butts. Because we had the White House, the Senate and the House at one time, and many of them pushed back on President Trump who they're never Trumpers. Hopefully they learned their lesson because now the board is getting more attention than ever has. Now it's turned into a national security crisis and a public safety crisis and a public health crisis. If they don't get on board now, then they need to be taken out of office, too. I'm mad at most of the Democrats. I know Henry Cuellar from Texas, you know he believes in border security. A few of them are actually believe in border security. Well, there's a few GOP congressmen, too, that we need to hold their feet to the fire. And If they don't hold their feet to the fire and support a secure border, then they need to be bolted out of office.
0: There were just a lot of things that we saw on the inside that need to be fixed. And at a certain point, it, it really starts to bother me that Congress has allowed things to get so bad, and they basically expect political appointees to show up every four years or every eight years and try and fix the problems from the inside. But I think that the discretion that Congress has given the executive branch, important in many ways has been taken advantage of in the immigration context. And maybe we're getting to a point where Congress does have to more closely detail what they want out of DHS. How many deportations per year? How many people actually in detention beds? How many arrests per year? Because now we're living in a different world. Now we know that discretion will result in basically non-enforcement and a complete
1: abandonment of immigration law. I agree with you. And it's going to change every time this new administration in. So if Congress says, we'll give you this much money for detention beds, then that money should be used for detention beds. But once we give them, here's the proper numbers you need to to have meaningful interior enforcement operations, that needs to hang in there. And they need to hold ICE accountable. Did you get this many arrests? Did you detain these many people? Did you remove this many people? We're never going to fix illegal immigration if we don't have meaningful interior enforcement. Because people are going to say, if I hide out long enough, I'm going to get something. I'll wait for a Democrat president to come in. I'll get amnesty. I'll get DACA. This country has proven over and over again that if illegal aliens hide out long enough, we're going to reward them. And we shouldn't. That needs to end. There needs to be a system of consequence. They, they shouldn't feel like, okay, I'm going to ignore the judge's order, that 90% I talked about. I'm going to hide out long enough. Someone's going to give me amnesty or someone's going to give me DACA. I have a few more USC kids where I'm hiding and they can fight for my status or I can get welfare based on them being U.S. citizens or I can take advantage of other social services. They need to be removed. If we, if, if, they, if we spend billions of dollars a year on enforcement, detention, and immigration court, it needs to mean something. If we spend billions of dollars a year, the system of consequence, the final act, the judge's order, has to be executed or we might as well shut down immigration courts and open the border up. If we're not going to hold people accountable, or if they're not removed as per a federal judge's order, then the hell of it, blow it up. End of the immigration courts, open the border because we got no consequence and no deterrence. So that needs to happen. I agree 100%. True, fully funded interior enforcement that puts an end to the, the award of hanging out in the United States of the until you get something.
0: Tom Homan, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's Parsing Immigration Policy from the Center for Immigration Studies. This podcast and all of our research is available at CIS.org. And if you could, go to our donate button and show us some support. CIS is one of the few nonprofits in Washington, D.C. focused exclusively on the study of immigration. And we could definitely use all the help we can get. Thanks so much.